We started last week our biblical mantra message series. And just a reminder, a mantra is just a phrase, uh, a saying that we'll say over and over again that will recalibrate, reorient how it is that we think. And I started it last week with with a tough one. I admit it it was tough. Um, Be holy as I, the the Lord, am holy. And and I hope you've actually thought about that this past week. I I told you, like, when you get up, the first thing that you do, your feet hit the floor, think, Lord, help me to be holy in in my thoughts and my actions and my deeds and so forth. And, and, And that is, it's a challenging one, right? Because God's holy, and how's God holy? Well, he's set apart, and he's without fault. He's without sin, and that's what God calls us to. And that was last week's message, and once again, it's a little bit of a difficult message, I understand. You'll be happy to know uh, this week's is a little bit more um, maybe easy on our ears, uh, at least for most of us uh, it might be. And that is, I want to talk to you this morning about a, a different type of mantra, a, a different type of saying, it is this. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now, if we're going to look at this, it's important that we understand it within the context in which Paul says it. So look up there on the screens at Philippians chapter 4, 12 to 13. Paul says, before he says that phrase, he says this. He says, I know what it's like, what it's like to be in need. He says, I know what it is like to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Then he says it, I can do all things through him who give me strength. The problem is, is we like to lift this mantra, this saying out without the context that's around it, and, and that's not helpful. I would argue that this is probably the second most misspoken passage in the, in, in the Bible in terms of being taken out of context. Number one is going to, you know, bother some of you, bother some of you, but it's got to be like Jeremiah 29, 11. Because Jeremiah 29, 11, the Lord says to Israel, I know the plans I have for you to prosper you Uh, to not harm you and to give you hope in a future. And we love that phrase. We put it on bookmarks. We put it on magnets on our fridge. Um, You might have a a picture uh, framed in your house with those words on it. And that's great, but, but we're lifting that out of context because in Jeremiah 29, 11, God is not saying that to an individual. He's saying it to Israel. Not only is he saying it to Israel, he's saying it to Israel, and it's going to take 70 years, two generations of people who will never know that promise, but eventually Israel will, and we like to hand it out like, like you know, candy at Halloween. But God spoke that to Israel and to ultimately a future generation of Israel, and we like to just pull it out of context and and speak of it about ourselves. We kind of do the same thing with this, I can do all things through him who gives us strength. And, And let me just say, like, I'm not saying that God doesn't have plans for us. I mean, he does, but it's not necessarily to prosper. If you read the Beatitudes, that doesn't sound like a lot of prospering. If you read the words of Jesus and says, if you're persecuted, uh, like, you know, if people persecute you on account of me and like the prophets who've come before me, then consider yourself blessed. That's not prospering, all right? So be careful when you lift things out of context. Jeremiah 29, 11, probably we do that with the most. This one, we do it with the second. 
Paul says, I can do all things through, who, through him who gives me strength. Does that mean you can? No. Can you? Potentially, yeah. And that's what I want to talk to you about. But just because Paul says he can doesn't mean that you can. The second thing that I need you to understand is that word all. Because for us, when you, when you take all out of context, all sounds like everything. Because everything fits into all. But when you understand it within context, what Paul's saying, when he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, he's talking about the adversity that he's faced in life. We got a little flavor of it there when he said, whether I had plenty or I didn't, whether well-fed or not, Paul was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was persecuted. In all these things Paul could do, it didn't mean that Paul could force people to believe. He couldn't. All doesn't mean that. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Paul can't do that. Paul didn't have the ability to, as he went into the synagogues and they rejected him, he didn't have the ability to change their minds. He couldn't do that. He he couldn't convince the Romans to, to not ultimately kill him, right? There's a lot of things Paul could not do. So as we lift this passage out of Scripture and out of the context, be careful what you do with all. Look at 2 Corinthians 11, 24 to 27. Paul says this. He says, five times I've received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Five times he was lashed. 40 times minus one. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once even he was pelted with stones. And if you remember the story, to the point that they thought he was dead. Three times, Paul says, I was shipwrecked. I mean, you think you have it rough? Paul says, I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers. I've been in danger from bandits. I've been in danger from my fellow Jews. In fact, I've been in danger from Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city, and I've been in danger when I've been in the country. I've been in danger when I've been at sea, and I've been in danger because of false believers. I've labored, I've toiled, and I've gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked, and we think we have it rough. So when Paul says he can do all things through Christ who gives him strength, it's not Paul who can do it, but it's Christ. And he's talking about that whatever adversity happens in life, he can overcome it through Christ. So as you lift this passage out of scripture and and it becomes hopefully something you remind yourself, when you get up and you say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, that doesn't mean that you're going to like have superhuman powers. It's not a promise for that. It's not a promise that you can like look across the room and get the chair to move without touching it. It, it, I'm just, it's not. I suggest you don't step off a cliff and say, I can do all, and thinking you can fly, ain't gonna work. It, it, It doesn't mean that you can shoot lasers through your eyes. It doesn't even mean you can be a professional athlete or the president of the United States. When you understand what that means in context, it means that as Paul learned to be content in all things and that he can accomplish all things, 
He was able to do it through Christ who gave him strength. If you want to think about an example of that in the Bible, think about when Jesus and his disciples, after a long day of teaching, um, they retreat by boat and they go out from shore so far that you can't even see shore, uh, see the shore. And Jesus is exhausted because, I mean, just to be preaching in front of the crowds all day is physically exhausting. And so he goes to the back of the boat and he falls asleep. Now, as he's falling asleep, a squall comes up, and you know what it's like. If you're awake early enough this morning before the rain, which hasn't been all that impressive, came in, there are there some gusts of wind. But before a thunderstorm, a good-sized thunderstorm will come in, there might be a, a gust of wind up to 60-plus miles an hour that is out in front of it. And this is what the Bible describes. It, it, it talks about the wind, a squall coming in, the wind kicking up, and, and the waves kicking up as, as maybe a 60-mile-an-hour wind starting to blow across that lake. The waves are kicking up, and, and suddenly, like, the waves are actually starting to lap into the boat. So much so that the disciples are looking at that in real-time reality, and they're thinking, man, we are in trouble. We're going to die. And they look to the back of the boat, and there's Jesus asleep in the back of the boat as the wind is howling and waves are presumably even splashing up on him. But they didn't feel safe because Jesus was just in the boat with them. So they wake him up and they cry out to him, Lord, save us, we're going to die. And Jesus wakes up, he stands up, he rebukes the wind and the waves and everything grows calm again. Even with Jesus in the boat with them, they, they didn't feel safe. They didn't feel like, like they could survive that, like they could do all things through Christ who was with them. Now you got Paul, on the other hand, that doesn't need Christ in the boat with him who learned to survive in open sea once the boat is capsized, right? Floating for a day and a half. Beaten with rods, pelted with stones, and everything that he describes, Paul's able to say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The rest of the disciples eventually got there, but, but they weren't there quite yet. How was Paul able to do it? Well, He's ultimately able to do it through faith. So if we want to be like Paul, once again, you can't do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Maybe you can. Probably a lot of us can't yet. But how do you get there? Well, it's ultimately got to start with faith, right? Because faith is incredibly powerful. Faith takes the impossible and makes it possible. Faith takes like what sight, reason, and logic say no way. And it's like, yep, there is a way. And we see this in scripture, the power of faith. We see that like when Moses brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, if you remember the story, how does, how does God get the people of Israel out of Egypt? He does all these plagues. He does all these miraculous events that all the people of Israel saw with their eyes. And then as he's leading them out of Israel, all of the people of Israel saw like what God did when he parted the sea and they crossed it. And then when the Egyptians did, he brought the waters back uh, to destroy them. They, 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 they heard and they saw how God was talking to Moses on the mountain. But ultimately, when, they, when God brought the Israelites to the promised land, uh, they sent spies out in the promised land. And the spies came back and said, you know what? There's huge people there. These guys are giants. And, and, and the cities are like well-fortified, big walls, and, and, and well-armed people. 
into the eyes and to the reason and to the intellect, it makes no sense to go in there. And so the Israelites chose not to. Even though they saw everything that God had done for them, uh, they didn't believe that they could do all things through Christ who gave them strength. So they chose not to. No, that it would not be smart of us to do it. Any of us would have made that decision by reason, by intellect, by sight. God wasn't real happy about that. So for 40 years, they wander in the desert till that generation dies out until he gets straight the mind of the next generation who come to that very same place, who, who also send spies out into the land, who, who can see with their eyes on the other side of the Jordan just what's, you know, what's before them, and they see it completely different. The people are still huge. The, the, the cities are still well fortified. They still have way more arms than what, what the Israelites have, but they understand that God is in the boat with them. They understand that they can do all things through Christ who gives them strength. As they're taking possession of that land, I love this story. There's a story in which Israel's about to go into battle and they're told, uh, as they go against an army that's much larger than them, they're told, do not go into battle until first you hear um, the rustling of the tops of the trees. Because when you hear that rustling of the tops of the trees, that's not wind. I mean, it, it will look like wind, it will sound like wind, but guess what? Ignore what your ears and your eyes are seeing. What that really is, is the army of the Lord going before you. And when they go before you, you follow them and you'll be victorious. And Israel did. I love the story of David. You know, David's able to kill the lion and the bear that's attack, attacking his, uh, his father's flock. And as his faith and trust was built up in God and that, then he didn't have a problem when as a teenager, he stood before the nine plus foot Goliath. And it didn't make sense to the eyes. It didn't make sense to the intellect that David would be able to kill that giant, especially with a sling and a stone. But David wasn't concerned about that because he knew that he could do all things through Christ who gave him strength. You see, it wasn't Paul's greatness that allowed Paul to do these things. It's God's greatness. David understood that it wasn't his greatness, but it was God's greatness. So you see, this starts with faith. Let me ask you, where are you in your faith? Because there's those words, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, but then there's, do you really believe it? And I think for most of us as Christians and most of us as a church, we say the words, but we really don't mean it. When things get a little hairy, we get really nervous. Maybe we even run the other way. We saw that over the last couple years with the church, right, who always profess, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But, but when things got hairy there for a couple years, the church was like running for the hills. And I think here's the problem. In large part, the problem is, is faith is forged in the adversity of life. I want you to think about that. Faith is forged in the adversity of life. And here's the problem. Our generation, more than any generation that has ever come before us, we are risk adverse. We insulate ourselves from risk. We, we, we like bubble wrap ourselves. We, we avoid risk to, to, to the greatest extent we can. And it robs us of the growth of our faith. 
If I look back to my grandparents' generation, they understood risk. They understood difficulties. In my grandparents' generation, like when they went off to war, World War I and World War II, it meant millions upon millions of people are gonna die. But yet they went, you know, for us, here's what risk is for us, or adversity. Here's what adversity is for us. It's like, you know, you're driving to work and you get a flat tire. Man, you've had a rough day, haven't you? That's adversity for us. Adversity is when you're driving down to Austin and 45 minutes into it, your stomach really starts cramping and seizing up. That's adversity. As you pull off and have to get some emodium or whatever, right? That's the adversity we live with. Adversity is having to come to church when it's sprinkling outside and it was really adverse for the first two services, I can promise you. We don't understand adversity. You know, I talked about my grandparents' generation in war. How about their parents? Their parents, you know, when, when, when they had to plant the crops at the right time, they had to pray that like there wasn't a late frost and, and pray that there's rain. And if those things don't work out, guess what? You don't eat. Or even if you get enough to feed your family, you're not going to have enough to sell, so you're not going to be able to pay your bills and you're not going to be able to clothe your kids or send them off to school. That was adversity. You know, we, we just got done with a big drought here, but, you know, we, we, once again, we bubble wrap ourselves, we protect ourselves and so forth, and, 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 and we have ways to kind of protect ourselves. The government will bail you out if you aren't able to sell the crops. And, and, and you know what? Even if we're not able to eat because of our local farmers, there's other farmers that were, you know, you know what I'm saying? We just insulate ourselves and we protect ourselves because we're risk adverse. We don't know what risk really is. So you like our grandfather's generation, it was the war. Our, 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 their, their father's generation, uh, it, it was depending on like the crops coming through. You know, the generation before that, you know, my, my Distant relatives came from Germany and, and they're coming and America's not even really uh, fully uh, colonized and, and settled yet. And, and people are kind of moving across the country and, and developing lives for themselves. And you don't have the protection in that generation of law enforcement or of government coming to the rescue and all these other things, right? I mean, you, you just didn't know, like, it, 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 if you'd be attacked by animals or if or people might come and, and, and rob you and kill you in the middle of the night, you can go back even farther than that, like before people even came over to the Americas. And, and it was such uncertain times, right, with plagues and so forth. You think of the Black Plague and half of Europe died. I mean, this is adversity. And you take this whole swath of human history and for many of these years, you were, you were blessed to live to 30. You were. You were old, 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 if you live to 50. And I can go back even before that. Like you had to worry about like raiders coming and sweeping across the land and destroying towns and settlements as they conquered lands. Before that, you had the Romans persecuting Christians. Before you had the Romans persecuting the Christians, you had the Jews persecuting them. You see what I'm saying? We don't know what adversity is because adversity is the flat tire on the way to work. And, and we rob ourselves and we deprive ourselves of the blessing of having our faith grown because of adversity. So if faith is really forged 
in the testing and, and, and grown in adversity, and we've insulated ourselves from that, and we've protected ourselves from that, then how do we really grow our faith so that we can say as Paul did, I can do all things through him who gives me strength? Well, one of the ways that we do it is by reading God's word and by hearing God's word. Look at Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith, it comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. The message is heard by picking up your Bible and reading it and listening to pastor preach. Now, if that's what develops our faith, I mean, why aren't we opening God's word all the time and just like reading it so that our, our, we've already robbed ourselves of having faith that, that's forged in the fire of adversity. We have God's word available to us and some of us like maybe we don't even pick it up and read it. Some of us maybe read it a couple times a month. Let me ask you, if you ate a couple times a month, how would that work for you physically? Not real well. If you ate a couple times a year, how would that work for you physically? How do you think it's gonna work any better spiritually? And the shame is, is like we have God's word that, that, that we're told in scripture will grow our faith. And we've already robbed ourselves of, of growing it through adversity. And now we're just like robbing ourselves of growing it because we won't take the time to pick up God's word and actually read it. Another way in which we develop our faith is that we learn to trust in God. It's one thing to read the Bible, but it's another thing like to read those words, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's another thing to actually believe it and to live it out. But because we're in a risk adverse society, you know, a lot of us have trust issues, don't we? I use my daughter, my youngest daughter, as an illustration here because she's away at college and I don't think she listens to the sermons online. She goes to church, so it's good, but you know, she didn't listen. But she has trust issues. She always has. And I remember, you know, we put her in swimming lessons when she was young. And as the swimming lessons progressed and, you know, I was watching what she was able to do as we go to the community pool and like, she was starting to get swimming. But she didn't have faith in herself, so it's like she would take a couple strokes and then she'd go back to holding on to the side of the pool. Or if she was gonna swim, it would only be in the shallow wind where she, know, she knew she could, she could touch. And I'm like, this isn't good. Like you have the ability to swim and enjoy yourself and to have so much more fun in the pool if you just trust yourself that, that you can swim and let go of the, the, the ledge and just do it. Well, I could say that till I was blue in the face and it didn't matter. So I'm like, you know, she doesn't have a lot of faith and trust in herself. Maybe she does in me. No. And so one day we're at the pool and I'm like, today you're gonna learn to swim across the pool. No, I promise you, you can. 
I'm gonna show you you can. Listen, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pull you out to the middle of the pool and I'm gonna, I will never allow you to be more than arm lengths away from me. I love you. I will not let you drown. I will not let you get hurt. You can do this. I know you can. And if nothing else, trust me. And I kid you not, as like I was dragging her to the middle of the pool, she's screaming like she's being murdered. And, and this is a community pool early in the morning before it gets crowded. And, and it was quite the scene. And I get her to the middle and I, and I remind her what I'm going to do. I will never be more than arm's length. You can do this. I know you can. And, and I let her go and she freezes up and she goes under. <laughs> I have to pick her up and it's like, (coughs) didn't work out real well the first time. But it's like, we're going to keep doing this over and over until you do it. And I don't remember how many times it took, but pretty quick after that, guess what? She was swimming across the pool, right? But it was hindering her because she didn't trust in herself and ultimately she didn't trust in me. We're hindered in our relationship with God because in the end, we, we don't trust God. We say and speak those words, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, but we don't really mean it because we're risk-adverse people. How do we... How do we build that that trust and that faith in God so that we're not just reading the words, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength and we're actually believing it. It's a process. You're not gonna go from here to here. It just doesn't work that way. So I'm gonna give you an illustration with jobs. I can illustrate this a hundred different ways, but I think jobs is a way that we can understand. So let's just say God's leading you to, you feel this push by God to take this different job. And when you look, it's like, you know what? I'm really not gaining anything, but I'm really not losing anything. It's kind of a lateral move, but there's a little bit of risk because I've been with this company for eight years and I've never been with this company, but, but I feel God's pushing me that way and I'm gonna get paid the same. So, all right, God, I'm, I'm taking a step out in faith, right? Okay, good, you know, right? That's step one. But then like seven years later, another one comes up. And now this one, this one's requiring a little bit more faith, a little bit more trust, because it's going to require you to move from here uh, across the country. And you've never lived there. You don't know if you're going to like living there. You know, your kids are going to rebel if you want to move there and so forth. And, and maybe it's a little bit of an advancement. Uh, so there's some benefit for doing it. But man, there's some risk. But you know what? God was faithful when it was like that much different. So if it's this much different, you know what? I'm going to trust that he's going to be faithful in that too. And so you do it and, and it turns out well. And then now, if God's really going to build that trust in you, seven years later, what's going to happen is this other one. Now, this other one's going to have like, it's not going to make any sense. It may mean that you switch over to a different career that you've never done. It may be that you're walking away from us, you know, soon to be able to qualify for retirement. It may require you to take a job that, like, 
there's no guarantee it will continue. It's all based upon your performance. And, but yet God's pushing you in that direction. And the question is, is are you going to do it? What I'm saying is you don't go down here to here, but as he incrementally helps build your faith and ultimately he gets you to the point that, that you trust him even when it doesn't make sense. And we're told that that, that is the greatest level of faith that is the greatest level of trust. If Paul can say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, it's because he doesn't need to see it. He doesn't need Jesus to literally be in the boat with him. We're told in scripture the story of Thomas, one of Jesus' disciples. And so after Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to the disciples. But Thomas was like out buying groceries at work. I don't know. Bible doesn't say he just wasn't there when Jesus appeared to the other followers. And Jesus appeared to them and they all believed and they rejoiced that Jesus rose from the dead. But Thomas, when he was told about it, said, you know what? I don't know if mass delusion's going on here. I don't know what's going on. But for me, myself, I'm not gonna believe it unless I put my finger in those holes in his hand and I put my hand in the hole in his side. It ain't happening. Jesus then appears to Thomas at a later time, and Thomas ends up confessing, my Lord and my God. And look at what Jesus says to him, John 20, 29. Jesus tells Peter, you know what? It's because you have seen me that you believe. But blessed, truly are blessed those who believe in me without having to see. Paul says a similar thing in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. He says, for we live by faith, not by sight. That is the ultimate. If we want to get to the point where Paul can say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, we got to learn to trust and believe in God, even when it goes against reason, even when it goes against intellect, even when it goes against our senses, our sight, whatever. But you see, there's always things that are going to be working against that. What are the things that kind of you know, work against our faith? Well, it's when we don't read God's word. We're told it comes through that. It's when we don't trust God. It's when we avoid risk in which God stretches us and makes us grow. And ultimately, it's like, look at Mark 4, 19. Jesus says this, he says, it's the worries of this life. This is 2,000 years ago that Jesus speaks these words, but look at how like relevant they are to our day and age, that the worries of life is what is going to destroy your faith. It's the deceitfulness of wealth that's going to destroy your faith. It's the desires of other things. That's going to choke out the word, and that is ultimately going to destroy your faith so that you can't say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, the stuff that we have to worry about in our lives is nothing compared to Paul being beaten with rods, pelted with stones, shipwrecked three times, um, floating at sea for a day and a half, rat-infested prisons, everything that Paul experienced. Once again, our flat tire on the way to work isn't going to quite do it. But what, what are the things that really are challenging us What are the worries of life that are getting you right now? Let's just talk about them for a second. Because some of you in here right now, this very moment, you're struggling with some family situations in your life. 
You're struggling in parenting your children. You're struggling in your being single. You're struggling in your being divorced. You're struggling in your marriage. You're struggling because you have parents that are getting older and you feel obligated, like you need to be able to be there for them and to care for them. And it's stressing you out. You're losing sleep over these things. And I'm like, if Paul is having to go without food, he's naked, he's cold, he's, he's being beaten with rods, stoned to the point of, of death and all these other things. Let me, what about like your parenting or your relationships or your parents getting older? What about that is overwhelming you if you truly understand I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? Some of you in here, you're struggling with your career. Some of you aren't happy with where you are at professionally. Some of you feel stuck in your job. It would not be anyone that works for me, but some of you do not feel respected by your employer. For some of you in here, the people you work with just drive you absolutely nuts. And for some of you, you were the last one hired at your company, and as it looks like they're going to have to put us into recession to take care of the inflation, you're worried you might lose your job. What about that compared to what Paul learned that he could get through? What about that is so overwhelming? Some of you in here are struggling with your finances. Some of you are just starting out, and, and you can barely afford your apartment. You'd like to get a house, but you can't. You're living paycheck to paycheck. Some of you just bought a new home and you thought, man, when I bought a new home, life would be great. But then you found out there's, there's insurance you have to pay, you know, pay on that, that home. There's taxes you have to pay on that home. And then there's those utilities, right? And now it's like money's tight. Some of you have been hit hard by inflation. It's like you were barely getting by before, but literally our utilities have doubled, our groceries have doubled, and gas probably as well, right? And, and it's starting to take a strain on you. It's starting to take a strain on your, your relationships. Some of you are like, you're, you're within like three or four years of retiring, and as you watch your 401k become a 200.5k, you're wondering if it will even have time to recover by the time you plan to retire. And you're freaking out about it and, and, and you're losing sleep about it and, and it's affecting your state of mind and, and just your personality. And let me ask you, when, when Paul lists that whole list of everything that he's able to do through, through Christ who gives him strength, what in that whole list that I just gave you is, is something that you can't deal with? If you truly believe those words, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Some of you in here are dreading the holidays. Man, holidays are difficult. The depression during holidays is horrible. People are depressed because like they miss loved ones that have passed, parents and grandparents, people that were close to them. And you just, you, you wish you could have another Christmas with them or another Thanksgiving with them. Holidays are difficult for some people too because it's that time in which we look back upon our life and like, it didn't turn out the way that I intended it to be. And as I'm watching those, those sappy commercials, when I'm seeing all those social media posts, you're just sitting there and you're getting more and more depressed about it. Some of you have to figure out where you're gonna go for the holidays and, and you gotta battle like the, the 
your parents versus your in-laws. And, and you know, however you do it, someone's not going to be happy about it. And you just could do without the drama of the holidays and you're dreading it. Some of you, it's not like you have to figure out where you're going to go, but you know that when you go, Uncle Sylvester's going to get hammered and run his mouth like he normally does. And it's going to be a big mess. But that, compared to like floating on sea, at sea for a day and a half, being stoned to the point of death, beaten with rods, whipped with 40 lash, I mean, if Paul can say, I can do all things through Christ, the things that he does, what about the holidays is just really that difficult? Some of you, it's health challenges, and some of you, it's freaking out about the elections coming up. You know, over time, the problems change. But how it is that we overcome them, don't. But I want to challenge all of you with this, is that our problems in the world today are first world problems. The real problems were our grandparents' generation, their parents, and their parents all the way back. We don't know what adversity is. But I get life is still messy, isn't it? And so we have a choice. Are you going to become overwhelmed? Are you going to cower in fear? Are you going to break down in hopelessness or cry out, poor as me, on social media? Are you going to believe that Jesus is in the boat with you? And are you going to believe those words, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, are more than just words, but are a reality for those who have the faith and the trust in God that he calls us to. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Gracious God, as we hear these words today, as we reflect upon the miseries of our life that really aren't all that miserable compared to the generations that have gone before us, but yet because we haven't been forged in trials and the adversity of life that our forefathers have, we're maybe not as resilient maybe as, as they were. So, uh, have mercy on us and, and, and our weariness and our hopelessness and all the different things that we struggle with. And I just pray, gracious God, that, um, that we would make reading your word and hearing your word a priority so that faith might come as a result and that you would put us through a certain amount of adversity to stretch our faith. And that, gracious God, you'd ultimately cause us to trust you even when it doesn't make sense to our mind, to our eyes, or to our ears. And that in the end, we can say, as Paul says, that in fact, we too can do all things through you who give us strength. It is in your name we pray. Amen.